0: Sometimes you choose courage, and at other times it's forced upon you. Courage Unraveled is a podcast series where you get to listen to insights, discussions, conversations, and stories from people from all walks of life. You'll be served with dollops of courage, resilience, and strength here, so come along and be educated and inspired. You just may find new ways to flex your own courage muscle. My name is Sana Turnock, and I'm your host. Jen Stewart was living in London studying fashion design. Her life revolved around fashion, parties and not taking care of her health and well-being. Her life took a radical turn when she was involved in a car accident. It became the catalyst for deep inner change. She left London and travelled for three years. In that time, she reinvented herself. She trained as a yoga instructor in Bali and eventually moved to Western Australia. Today, Jen specialises in trauma yoga and supports people to find their way back from past pain and suffering to opening them up to the possibility of living a full life. I caught up with Jen by phone. It's a real privilege to be able to share these inspiring podcasts of courage with you. The work undertaken takes many hours to put together and is self-funded. You can support the podcast series by becoming a patron and receiving access to patron-only specials and exclusives. Choose the tier that suits you. The Courage Journal is a fantastic adjunct to these podcast stories. Do you want to start flexing your own courage muscle? Then grab your very own journal. Visit courageunraveled.com to find out more about the journal and how you can become a Courage Unraveled patron. Hi, Jen, and welcome to Courage Unraveled. Hello, Sana. How are you doing? I'm really well. Good to have you on the show. Now, let's move right into it. In 2012, you were living in London. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I was just finishing up at university. So how was life
0: like for you prior to your life-changing event?
1: I was not having the healthiest lifestyle in terms of what I was doing with my body and even just my environment. And at the time, it seemed just like everything was normal because that's what we think it is if we're quite used to what we've been doing. Since the accident, it sort of changed everything. It gave me that perspective for being able to reflect and go, OK, the way I was living wasn't actually good for my emotional, my mental, my physical well-being. Given time after the accident in 2012, it really allowed me to just reflect.
0: You weren't living the healthy lifestyle, you were studying as well, is that right?
1: I was just finishing my fourth year.
0: In what area?
1: I did a year of an art foundation and then I did a three-year degree in fashion communications. I did a BA honours.
0: Sounds cool. Fashion communications. Yeah. That's <laughs> <a laughs> what I do now, yeah. <laughs> Very different. Let's move on to the kind of day that you're having just prior to the accident. Set the scene for us.
1: Okay, I'll cast my mind back. I think I was on a break from uni because I went to uni in Bristol, but I lived in London. I think I went back to see my family and the day I was driving back from London to Bristol, I was about 15 minutes from my house, just on the motorway in the UK and that's when the accident was. Before it just seemed like a normal morning, just going off, put your music on and off you go driving down the motorway. What was the weather Um, like? The weather, I think a usual drizzly English day. I don't <laughs> think. It wasn't a standout weather day. It was definitely dry in the afternoon because I remember not getting wet after.
0: Can you describe what happened?
1: You mean the actual accident? Yes. I remember driving down this three lanes on the motorways and I was in the middle lane just tootling through and there was a large articulated lorry, which is sort of like your road trains you have in Australia. And I was in his blind spot. He didn't see me. And then he pulled into my lane. And because he came in and didn't see me, my little hatchback car swung and got stuck on the front of his grill. He didn't see me and then I beat my horn and then people started to flag him down. But I was just on the front of his grill, which felt like, oh, it felt a lot longer than how long I was probably on there. Luckily, I was the only person in my car. He hit me Bang on in the center, so I was completely T boned getting pushed down the side. Mm. And I remember just looking to the left and just being like, ah! (laughs) And um, just seeing the grill because obviously I couldn't see his window because my car was so much lower. Luckily, this is the motorway, so there's lots of other cars. And it was a good thing actually because people could see me, people could flag down the driver. He eventually pulled over and then we stopped, and my car was just sort of stuck on the side of the road. It was great to have people actually witness the being and help me out my car and everything. I'll never forget when I got out of the car. I remember him just going like, "What hurts? What hurts?" And I just remember the first thing I was like, "My voice, my throat." Because I was just screaming the whole way down. I was very grateful to be greeted with such a friendly man. When I finally got out of the car, the driver's side was actually intact. I could still open the door because it was all on the passenger side.
0: You were so actually... fortunate.
1: Yeah, it was. Gosh. It was kind of a perfect situation because it just hit me bang in the center. And then because the guy who was driving driving the articulated lorry didn't speak any English, it was quite nice to have a reassuring English person to be able to just sit with me before, mm. before everyone had to come.
0: Now, was there anything going on in your mind as you saw what was going to happen?
1: It happened very quick. One minute I was driving, next minute I was being pushed. There was nothing. I just remember holding onto the steering wheel as tight as I possibly can, trying to keep it straight, but it was all a... Bit of a blur. I remember just driving and then next thing I know, boom, I was swung around and just hoped that I didn't roll over. Mm-hmm. My car didn't flip or anything like that.
0: It was amazing that you actually got out of the car. Did it take long for the ambulance to arrive?
1: It all happened really quick and I actually called my dad first and he he, he sped quite fast down the motorway. But no, everyone was there pretty quick within an hour. I just sat on the side of the road on, like, the little metal bit, just just shaking and having to sign all these bits of paper and all the things you don't want to be doing after something horrible happens, but mm-hmm. it has to be done.
0: What kind of injuries injuries did you end up sustaining?
1: I was very fortunate and I'm very grateful that I didn't break any bones. I just sort of shuffled them all around. I came out with literally just a scratch on my on my chin and um, a very sore throat. <laughs> and I had, yeah, severe whiplash after, but it took... A day for it all to settle in and then that's where I started to experience chronic pain in my physical body um, especially in my neck so my C2 is actually sort of shuffled out of place to the side a little bit and that's the way it is now because it's seized up in a little bit there now but very very grateful that I, I came out in one piece.
0: Yes that's quite a remarkable story in the fact that you did. For the first six months after the accident what was life like? Did you go through any rehab? What were you like emotionally, mentally, financially even?
1: Oh, it was horrendous. It was still very turbulent at the time because the way I've been brought up and every way I've ever known, it's all physical. You know, once you go to the physio, your body will feel better and that's where all the issues sort of end. I'm very grateful for the way I've been brought up and what I've learned as a child, but we never sort of addressed the emotional well-being as much as like the mental health and that side of things. So it didn't exist to me until I started going down that path myself. I had physiotherapy, osteo, chiropractic. I saw every physical person that I could see as often as I could, as well. And so my body started to rely on being manipulated. And then the more manipulated it became, the more vulnerable it then became. So that was very depleting. And I remember because it's a whole insurance thing. I had to go and see a psych and just check your funky dory. I didn't really know what a psychologist was at this point, but I thought, okay, I'll go along. It seems like a sort of checkbox thing I have to do. And yeah, I'll never forget the session. It was just like a very intense session and didn't realize that all of these emotions were stored in me still, even though I was like, I'm fine, I'm over it, whatever. I just need to fix my neck. And it was, a lot of things weren't being addressed. And so that made a lot of things deplete. So I didn't address my, what the trauma actually held in my body from it all. So I got real sick. I've always been like, pretty lean but I lost a lot of weight and I couldn't put any on I became like allergic to heaps of different foods and then became really intolerant and my body just started to become really really sick really unhappy and I just didn't know why Mm -hmm. I was still searching for something to do with my physical body because I thought I've got to get my physical body to like be able to move again and not be in pain every day so I saw this sign and it was just like 30 quid like 30 pounds for 30 days of yoga and I was like that sounds pretty cool what is that and then I went along and I've never missed a day of practicing since then really because it started to really unravel everything that was held from inside of me and then that's where I went on to really learning about trauma PTSD stories held in the body and everything like that so the first six months after the accident was a lot of hands-on and that's when I then left the UK I then was like Yeah, became practiced yoga every day and then that's when I did my first training in classical Hatha yoga and it started to get a lot better from then.
0: Did you notice a difference from initially what kind of mental dialogue you were having when you were having physical therapies to when you started to move into yoga and yoga practice? Was it a shift in any mental dialogue?
1: Oh, completely. You, You become less reliant on everyone else to poke and prod you and click you and, you know, just... Take your money. (laughs) There's a lot of great practitioners, but I think when you get stuck in a circle of thinking you've got to book your next appointment next week and that's going to go on forever, that is very disempowering and debilitating in itself. I think when I took my physical health back into my own hands, that then made me realize that all of the emotional and mental ties were able to be worked through as well on your own. With supports, and I used kinesiology, that helped a lot uh kinesiology yes mainly with allergies so it was again one of those things you haven't got a clue about and then I think I was in the little health food shop in Haverford West which is in West Wales where my mum lives and I remember we were just tootling around looking for anything that I could eat and this lovely little Welsh lady behind the counter was like have you heard of kinesiology and we just were like no like what is this thing and then we just Found these ladies that worked upstairs from the health food shop and they started testing for allergies. It was amazing. The first experience actually was always in a chair and there'd be two women and they'd put things in my hands and just test, you know, are you allergic to this and this? And it's all, I don't know how much you know about kinesiology, but it was amazing. I have a lot of respect for kinesiologists. Now it's a lot more just checking back in when I see a kinesiologist now rather than going directly for allergies and intolerances.
0: What did you learn about the allergies? Were they actually triggered by the stress or the trauma? You know, they just had that big shake-up and that's when they kind of become acute or had you, you know, always had them and they were just laying dormant?
1: Uh, Good question. I never had any allergies to anything my whole life. And then it was after the accident, a few months after, when I just suppressed and suppressed and suppressed. That's when these illnesses and allergies started to come out. Some would be in just like bloating ways. Other would be my throat would close. Others would be like making little bubbles through my lips and things like this. So I went to the hospital and doctor to, you know, check it out in that direction. They do that thing on your arm and they I came up as positive. Lots of different things. They wanted me to start taking tablets and injecting different things into my body every day to basically to stop being allergic. And I was like, that doesn't sound like something I want to be doing. I remember they kept calling and calling and calling me being like, you're literally going to die if you don't do this. And I was like you got to get away from me now because this is just counterintuitive. And I didn't know why, but I knew I had to not do that. That's when I then started going down the holistic way. I then went to the doctors that I saw before who said, you were going to be allergic to this forever, and then take this, take this. And I went back to check if I was allergic and the allergies had actually gone when I had addressed the trauma.
0: That's a really powerful message, isn't it? It's an interesting connection for people to sit and reflect on what's happening to their lives, if they have an acute kind of uh, reaction to something. I, I think there's something there for people to explore, but you have to be ready, definitely ready to go internally. And absolutely it's up to each individual because we don't know their circumstances but you know to not be so reliant on the physical therapies but I, everyone's journey is everyone's journey but yours really highlights something I think for me personally I guess because I've had a similar journey and in different circumstances to address the emotional and what's locked up inside and once that's released to then become a different person which sounds like happened for you clearly
1: Absolutely. I'm very grateful for my journey so far. That was six months
0: of intense physical therapy and then also doing yoga. Is that right?
1: Maybe even longer. I can't remember the dates exactly, but I remember I was booked in for sessions for a long time and then the whole thing prolonged quite a lot because obviously it's an insurance claim and that all takes ages. It didn't actually all finish until almost three years after the accident. So every time you got another letter from, from the insurers in the post, it was just had to re-bring up everything. When every time it gets re-brought up, you're re-triggered and then everything just sort of, sort of starts to feel quite overwhelming again rather than being able to just sort of go, that event's happened, it's finished, let's move on. It was really hard to move on because every week you'd have to do something else. It was very frustrating, yeah. So that's all come to a close.
0: You left London six months after the accident, Is that one of the reasons why you left, is to try and just start again and have a new life?
1: Uh, I had a good life. I was just uncomfortable. I lived in West London and I worked in East London and you'd be working six, seven days a week for literally nothing and you'd be travelling two hours on the train and then your friends would manage the pub and then you just go straight there it wasn't a healthy cycle and then you go back to work and then repeat and then you know oh it's Paris Fashion Week let's jump to Paris for the day come back but the work I was doing didn't fulfill me and I knew that because everyone I was around loved it they lived and breathed fashion and I didn't I I like the creative parts I did but it didn't inspired and I knew that I wanted to do something that inspired me whatever that was going to be and I wasn't quite sure what when I found yoga and realized how much it had done for me I was like oh man I've got to get to know this more I didn't know where it was going to take me at all I didn't have a clue I just knew that I wanted to learn more and that's when I went and did my training where was that from it with Akasha Yoga Academy in Ubud Bali
0: ah is that what you mean by leaving London you you went to study
1: Yeah, and then I just travelled for a few years.
0: And why did you travel for a few years?
1: To just visit different places, different cultures, experience different things, and I didn't really have a plan of what I was going to do. I just sort of booked a flight and then just let things sort of float around and be intuitive with where I wanted to go and when I wanted to go. But I knew it wasn't going back to London and working in fashion pretty quick. I had... Some savings and so off i off i went
0: certainly sounds yeah. like the accident woke you up like a lot of these mac truck experiences they do wake you up don't
1: they 100 percent. and there's whatever happens I'm not saying we've got to analyze everything that happens in our life too much but instead just just noticing noticing when you're being asked to change the direction of your life you can either ignore it ignore it ignore it and things get worse and worse and worse or we can Go because it was when I realised that the accident was, was why I was feeling worse because I didn't realise it was the accident for ages after. It was when I made that real realisation, oh, that's why all of this stuff is happening. Then you can start to change the direction of your life from an informed place rather than just going, oh, why does all this shit keep happening? You can just go back and check in.
0: Okay, I guess my question to you then is do you think the accident was the cause of the change or had other things been going on in your life and they were perhaps giving you the opportunity without having a Mack truck experience to make changes you didn't heed the signals? I didn't hear
1: them if they were there yeah I I needed something very aggressive to yeah to wake me up to change. I think everything has its place, and when things come, it's when they're meant to come. So even if they're horrible at the time, there's a lesson in there somewhere, even if it's uncomfortable.
0: You didn't become a fashion designer. You left London. You, you, you trained to be a yoga instructor. You started travelling for a few years. It's pretty clear that the accident changed you, and you now yeah. and you're now into yoga and you do trauma yoga. That's your specialty. So describe to the listener what that means.
1: I really wanted to understand what trauma was rather than just sort of having this glorified word of trauma because it can be quite misunderstood. And so I really started to study PTSD. So I did diplomas in PTSD and how trauma is held in the physical body and then trauma sensitive yoga and yoga for the traumatized body and then looking into breath work for trauma and somatic experiencing. So I started to sort of gather all of these insights and learnings and teachings and then embodying them as well and then using them for myself. While I was learning, I was teaching Hatha Yoga. So now I have a practice called Healing Trauma with Yoga and it's a combination of trauma-sensitive yogas. I don't know how much the listeners know about trauma-sensitive yoga, but in a little nutshell, it was designed for people with complex trauma and ptsd david emerson yoga teacher and then Bessel van der Kolk, psychiatrist fusion their work together in boston and outgrew trauma-sensitive yoga and it was it sort of trialed and tested um, and researched the, the body stores everything the body remembers the body knows what's happened and we need to release things out of the physical body to move on they looked at eight weeks of 75 minutes of simply trauma-sensitive yoga it's It's a very simple practice. And I think that's why it's so profound, because it's just going back to fundamentals of being safe in our body. So that's one aspect of what I share now. It's a movement-based practice. We don't go into the story. It's not talk therapy, because the purpose of the work I do isn't to go back into the story and talk about what happened and living in the past. And instead, even though there's a very valid place for talk therapy, that's just not what I offer I have referrals for people who want to explore talk therapy as well but what I do is all in the body so when I work with people one-on-one where I'm on the ground with them yoga mats next to each other and we learn to listen to physical sensations in the body instead of me saying what we should be doing instead it's the client's body that we're actually working with so it's this reversing role so instead of It being top-down, so the mind telling the body what it should be doing and where it should go and when it should move and all of this. Instead, it's changing that dialogue and being bottom-up processing. So the body, the physical body, telling the mind how it's actually feeling. So finding a new comfort, being based on interreception, which is tuning into physical sensations from inside of the physical body, moment to moment, not what we think we're feeling, but what we're actually feeling. And so we draw upon all these different practices to come into the physical body to release emotional
0: traumas out of the physical body so we can complete the incomplete. So apart from being present with what you're actually feeling rather than what you think you're feeling, are the the yoga positions more Hatha-based? Would you use Iyengar moves or Ashtanga
1: moves? No, so it's a trauma-sensitive yoga and healing trauma with yoga is... It's all in simple English. There's no Sanskrit and trauma sensitive and healing trauma with yoga. We move from shape to shape and there's no expectation of when we should move. It's a practice of curiosity. So everyone's practice can look a little bit different. I guide the practices, but it's guided by observing and being present with the person i'm with so noticing how they're breathing and then noticing how we can lengthen the breath but not straight away because as long as we're breathing we're doing a pretty good job it's not like it's not a structured class where there's something we have to do at the beginning something we have to do at the end instead it's it's a journey through and we explore different things like spatial awareness muscle dynamics self-touch interception like i mentioned proprioception finding our body in space different mindfulness practices it's it's a combination of different things that in the sessions i share with the person it's what they need in the moment so that they can self soothe self regulate and therefore release these trapped trapped emotions in their physical body we we use different shapes so i just call them shapes not asana not nothing like this. Instead, it's just simple shapes moving from shape to shape or form to form.
0: How have you witnessed transformation in people?
1: That's something that I feel very grateful to hold space for. I've worked with quite a range of people since starting this work and everyone comes from a different story and background and it's amazing to meet someone week one of working with them and we're just getting to know each other and you know they're feeling comfortable with me and then seeing that journey by you know week three week four you can see these practices being integrated and that's then echoing out in their daily life and that's amazing and then by you know week eight or if they continue through it's an amazing experience to really be able to show people that they can heal themselves from the inside and I'm just holding space for them. And, you know, people feeling numb, vulnerable, trapped, dissociating a lot, not knowing what to do, and that changing into them fulfilling something that they want to do in their life, whether it's a new hobby, whether it's changing their relationship or bettering their relationship with their partner, family, kids, themselves. It's seeing the differences from week one to the end of when we finish is, it's amazing. And I'm very honored to to be part of journey
0: it sounds like what you allow people to do essentially is give them permission to be vulnerable and i wonder did you have that sense when you were going through your own trauma healing and this is with yoga as a therapeutic practice
1: question I guess at the very beginning after the accident no because you've got this strong armor on that you think will protect you from the world then once I discovered yoga and once I was more gentle with myself and not expecting things to happen overnight with myself I felt like I could sort of break down and soften this armor that I had around me to then know that it's okay feeling is a good thing whatever those feelings are even if they're uncomfortable feeling is a good thing because it means, you know, we're alive and then we can make different choices and effective action from those feelings. At the beginning, I'd say probably not, but then as I got to know myself better, yes.
0: Yeah, but the yoga helped open you up to that, to the vulnerability. A hundred percent, yeah. So do you think that if you didn't have the accident, would you actually be living the life you, you are now? Oh
1: God, No way, like... I don't know what I would be doing. I hope I wouldn't have still been doing what I was doing. But I have a completely different trajectory of my life and I'm very grateful for for that.
0: Do you think that you were courageous before your accident?
1: Everyone's courageous in some way or another, but I was just part of the crowd a bit more.
0: What about now? Is there a distinct difference between then and now and your courage?
1: I'm proud of myself for going into the discomfort and I'm proud of myself for the journey I've been through
0: Absolutely. And also the fact yeah. that you allowed yourself to be vulnerable, that to me is is absolute courage. I mean, that's what Brene Brown talks about. You know, vulnerability is about being courageous, you know, opening yourself up and taking risks in that way. But you've also moved through fear. You've also changed your life. You've had to show resilience in your re- rehabilitation. You could have been one of those people that just stayed using, sorry, physical therapies because you wouldn't have known any better. But you took the next step and discovered something that has completely changed your life. Yeah. So that to absolutely. me, yeah, by doing that, you've been quite courageous. So that's my take on
1: <laughs> on your journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, look, well, courage is having, you know, knowing that if there is discomfort and not knowing and having that uncertainty but doing something anyways for an effective purpose. And I think the people I work with are very courageous and very brave.
0: I think they yeah. are too. Do, do they take it back to thinking about yourself right at the beginning?
1: Whenever I run programs or trainings, I do share my story so that people can then see where I've come from and so I can sort of be a little walking example of what I'm teaching. When I work with people, it's not about me. It's about the person I'm working with and I no longer, if I get asked questions, I no longer go into trigger state or i no longer disempower i can now feel very comfortable talking about what happened so that i can then help empower others and help others heal from the inside out
0: jen it's been a real privilege having you on courage unraveled and all i can say is please keep being of of service to others because what you do is really important Thanks for being Thank on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, good to chat.
0: Absolutely. I'm glad we've been yeah. able to do it. Yeah,
1: me too.
0: <laughs> yeah. From fashion design to trauma yoga specialist, now that is a massive pivot. It's amazing what life throws at you and where you journey with it. Using a direct quote from one of Jen's social media posts in April 2020, without the experiences that make us show courage, we are numb. This statement holds a lot of weight. To live courageously means you choose not to succumb to numbness, but to growth, a meaningful life, and extraordinariness. Now, there probably isn't such a word, and I've just made that up, but I don't care. I think it's perfect for, uh, for this moment. To make contact with Jen Stewart, visit courageunraveled.com forward slash podcasts and find her information under her episode. If you like what you hear on Courage Unraveled podcasts, please leave a review or subscribe via your favourite podcast channel. I'm Sana Turnock your Courage Unraveled host. Until next time.